Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the Paleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. So, Sarah, and listeners, hello, everybody. Um, I noticed that you put something that you weren't sure you were going to put uh. into your social media um, this week. Um, just kind of before we jump into that, I just want to um, take a brief moment to mention that I had quite a number of people reach out to me. I guess it shows up in their timelines or they've just logically uh, deduced that this week was the anniversary of um, our brother's passing from last year. Um, And I myself am, am feeling I've got a case of the feels. I'll just put it that way. And, um, and the things that go along with that, like I'm, you know, when you have an autoimmune condition, when you're super stressed, um, a lot of things don't feel right. And that's kind of what's happening to me. So I'm going to do my best <laughs> to like hang in with you tonight. But I do want to just let our, our listeners know that I appreciate them reaching out and saying something and, you know, having, having us in their thoughts, that is just more than we could ever ask for from what are ostensibly complete strangers, but I know that we're not, I know that we're connected much more than that, but I just want to say thank you so much. And, um, we're all fine. We all have a lot to be thankful for. And we spent the weekend, um, doing some volunteer activities, which really helped us kind of reframe our thoughts as to a lot of the things that we have to be grateful for and how we want to spend the life that we have. So, uh, start the show off as a Debbie Downer, but oh. <laughs> I did just want to say thank you to everybody. And, um, and, and I do feel like the, the boys were given, um, were given something to kind of, you know, direct their memories and, and all that kind of stuff in a way that was, uh, beneficial and helpful for us. So it's been, it's been good to, to have that as a, as a positive frame for a Seems time that's like pretty they're... dark a really um, like uh, productive is the word that comes to mind. And I'm not sure that's exactly the right word, but a way of uh, channeling all of the emotions that come up with an anniversary like this into thing that is so focused on, you know, the, the, the greater world and the greater meaning in life. And I, I think that's just an amazing um, choice for being able to channel those emotions into something that's just really good for the world. So I just wanted to echo what all of the listeners are probably thinking. Sometimes that's my job. Thanks. Just be a surrogate listener here. Well, I will say it was really, Um, it was, it was really like, I, I know a lot of people have been really nice and saying nice things. Um, 
about us as parents. And like, really, honestly, it's like Wesley's idea. So <laughs> I'm just thankful that we have um, kids that can help us be better people. So um, anyway, speaking of kids, I want to hear how yours is doing. And, um, and I'm sure our, our listeners are as well. I know you and I had talked a bit, um, before everything, um, and, and you weren't sure how it was going to transpire and all that kind of stuff. So I think it would be, I, I'm looking forward to what you can share because I myself went through something similar last year with Cole. And Mm -hmm. I I know that our, our listeners find, um, these kinds of shares helpful, although it can be difficult for us. Yeah. And it was, you know, when we last talked about it, I wasn't sure how open I wanted to be about this experience online in part because I do try to, um, preserve my children's privacy. That is something that's very important to me um, online. And also because um, it, it's the type of decision making, you know, this has been um, sort of a year in the works that it requires this like more detailed conversation. So it makes the podcast a much better form to have that, you know, to sort of talk about what happened, why we decided to do that and uh, how we've been dealing with it. Um, because we've talked on the show a lot before about not being anti-conventional medicine, but uh, using it judiciously and using it in an informed way. So using it when it's necessary and not letting it be a crutch or a substitute for healthy diet and healthy lifestyle, but not getting so um, sort of cult-like and dogmatic in my, you know, my, my perfect diet, my perfect lifestyle that I'm unwilling to see when conventional medicine can offer something really amazing. And we, um, hit that with my, uh, my, my now eight-year-old, she's actually eight now. She just turned eight a couple weeks ago. Um, so we, um, I, I guess the, Quick for everybody who who was like, what what just happened? Uh, she had a tonsillectomy and adenoidectomy um, just over a week ago, and um, it was not an easy decision for us as parents to make. Um, she actually qualified based on how many times she had strep throat last year, and I, you know, I had had strep throat. Um, all the time as a kid. And I happened to grow up in that weird time where, uh, you know, before they just took everybody's tonsils out and then they got super conservative about it. And so my doctor just didn't believe in taking tonsils out, um, was totally fine with me being on a course of antibiotics every single month for a decade, um, which was, I mean, I got strep throat 10 to 12 times a year from the time I was seven until um, when I was 15, 16, it started slowing down. And so by 16, I was only having it about four times a year. And my doctor felt like that. See, I was right. You didn't need your tonsils out. That was literally what he said. And um, on hindsight, now I look back on that and I go, you know, tonsils, um, they definitely have a role to play in our health. There's there's this thought now that they're part, sort of an early warning system for the immune system for food antigens. So they detect food antigens and let the immune system know that we've consumed a food that we have a sensitivity to. Um, but also you can live perfectly fine without them. Um, you know, they, they have a role, but it's a, a fairly, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's something that's, you know, it, it's not even like 
having a gallbladder removed. Like having a gallbladder, there's there's consequences to not having the bolus of bile. With having tonsils out, there, there's really no um, consequences to not having those. And so I often look back at my overly conservative doctor growing up and wondering how being on antibiotics so frequently as a child may have impacted my long-term health. And then I was watching a, um, a strep, a tonsillectomies due to frequent strep runs in uh, both my family and my husband's family. And um, it started in my uh, second daughter last year. And I, I just thought, well, you know, she eats a nutrient-dense paleo diet. She eats tons of vegetables. She loves seafood. She eats organ meat. Um, she has almost no junk food. She's active. She sleeps well. Like she's the all of the things except for there's a genetic susceptibility here probably, and she's probably inherited it on both sides. And there's only so far, you know, there's only so much I can do with with diet and lifestyle. And she started getting straps. I mean, she's always had a couple a year, but she got. Um, she had them very, very frequently last winter to the point where our pediatrician was starting to say, you know, she, this is now enough that she qualifies for, for a tonsillectomy. And it had been going around her class and I, I just sort of said, no, it's, you know, I'm sure this is a weird year. Like it's, I'm, it's been going around her class and it's fine. And then in um, the beginning of the summer, her tonsils just like ballooned. They s just swelled like it was overnight and we had no idea what caused it. Um, I immediately started doing an elimination diet thinking it had to be some kind of food that was causing it. Um, I couldn't figure out what it was. And she was a completely willing participant in, in an elimination diet to figure them out. Um, I talked to my functional medicine specialist. We did uh, tried a couple of different supplements on, on his recommendation. Uh, nothing worked. Uh, we tried nasal steroids on my pediatrician's recommendation. That didn't work. And they started disrupting her sleep, causing um, probably causing apnea, although it's sort of hard to know without doing a sleep study. Um, but she started not sleeping well, being really restless. I would have to wake her up in the morning. She'd be tired all day at school. She was getting more emotional. And when school started again in the fall, the strep started again way more frequently um, to the point where she could only make it about 10 days off of antibiotics before she would get it again. And with this combination of like not sleeping, her tonsils were crazy enlarged. The The one on her right was so big, it was um, chronically touching her uvula, which meant that it was like chronically stimulating a gag reflex. Um, and, you know, and every time, you know, she would finish a course of antibiotics, she'd get strep again, they'd want to switch up the antibiotics to something stronger. And I was like, at some point we ran out of options. And I just was thinking about, you know, the impact to her quality of life now, because she's not sleeping well, the impact to her gut microbiome being on antibiotics so frequently, what that could do to her lifelong health, thinking that the chances of her having inherited at least some autoimmune disease risk genes from me are pretty high. Um, and it hit a point where it just became an obvious choice that she needed to have her tonsils out. Um, so, uh, we, we went with, I, I really have a great relationship with our pediatrician here and, 
Um, you know, she knows how we eat. She knows all those priorities, but she knows that I, uh, you know, I'm not going to withhold antibiotics when they're truly necessary, for example. So we have a, a really strong mutual respect. And um, she recommended a really fantastic uh, pediatric ENT who um, talked to me like an intelligent adult before realizing, before talking to me long enough to know that I was an intelligent adult, which to me is like one of the best things in a doctor ever <laughs> is when they actually talk to you. Um nicely and respectfully. And, um, and, you know, he, it was for him, it was a no brainer, but you know, we had a conversation about what other options were there and I'd exhausted them all. So, um, we decided her tonsils needed to come out. And one of the things that ended up happening and her, her adenoids were also enlarged. So like while he was in there, he was like, I won't take them out if they look normal, but if her tonsils look like this, her adenoids are not going to be normal. And he was at the end of the surgery, he was like, I was right. The adenoids did not look normal. Um, but uh, he said the tonsils were actually bigger than they looked and they looked like the size of a duck egg. So I don't know how big they actually were, but he said they were also very asymmetrical. So he sent them to pathology. Like, and that's not standard procedure following a tonsillectomy. Um, and we don't have results back yet. And he said the chances, I mean, they almost certainly won't show up anything, but just because they looked, they didn't look like normal enlarged tonsils. He felt like that was, you know, better safe than sorry. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, so the decision just became obvious that this was um, the, the, you know, this was the time and the place, right? There, we've, we've said this on the show so many times, there's a time and a place for conventional medicine and we had hit it. And I, I had done everything that I knew to do and, and I have pretty vast knowledge. I had spent time in the medical literature trying to find any other options and this was, we, we'd hit it. So, um, so I, I kind of wanted to share a little bit about that, but I also wanted to share about um, what we've been doing for her recovery because I think, you know, there's, there's two different conversations to have here. One is the conversation of, um, you know, sometimes the best choice is using the conventional treatment option, whether that's a pharmaceutical drug, a prescription drug, or whether that's a surgery or another procedure. Like sometimes that is the smart choice and the best option. But we can also use everything that we know about food and sleep and stress and all of these things to also support ourselves through a conventional medicine procedure or surgery or medication. Um, so one of the things that we've, we've, we knew was that uh, hydration was going to be paramount and it's very, very common for kids after a tonsillectomy to not want to eat or drink anything because it hurts. And that has definitely been our experience. So normally we don't drink juice in this house and I have been trying to just bribe her with juice, um, sticking a little bit of coconut water in there to increase the electrolytes, um, trying to get her to have some kombucha um, because of the probiotics, which and she loves kombucha. So it's, it's just bribing her with fluid. Um, I bought these popsicles that were just pureed fruit and water and a little bit of organic uh, cane sugar and trying to get her to have popsicles. I made 
homemade jello with juice and vital proteins gelatin. Um, and it was just, just trying to get any kind of fluid into her. And what they, they said was basically anything that has fluid as an ingredient counts as a fluid. So, you know, they're, they're like soup, popsicles, um, you, you know, like ice cream, like any, anything you get into her. And initially I had, um, gone on to, on into this thinking I wanted to get her onto, you know, the healing foods as quickly as possible, but it turned out to be the pain management has been a real struggle and it turned out to be so challenging just to get liquids into her. I became very, very quickly the bribing mom of here's a, here's a juice box. You know, it's, it's all, it's, I'm buying, you know, organic, all natural juice, um, like not from concentrate, uh, but I am getting juice with added vitamin C because I think it's important for her to get the vitamin C and, um, and just trying to get that into her. And um, I've made uh, my pumpkin custard. I made it with extra um, added vital proteins, collagen peptides to the um, mix before baking to increase the protein and also the healing collagen. Um, I made, I've made avocado chocolate pudding. Um, I've made, she's had quite a few collagen veggie blend smoothies with kombucha and frozen blueberries, which was one of her favorites. And, um, we've tried, we've tried a lot. We've tried some, I made homemade meatballs cause they're fairly soft, uh, scrambled eggs. Um, you know, we've, I've made rice with broth, um, just trying to get some kind of nutritioner and she started eating more, towards the end of last week. So I think it was day five. She actually had like steak and sweet potato fries and steamed broccoli for dinner and ate like a sort of normal looking meal. And then she hit this second spike of pain, which happens when the scabs start falling off. And so today, for example, we were right back to, you know, I think I got her to eat uh, about, you know, a small bowl of avocado uh, chocolate pudding all day and maybe two glasses of juice. Like it's just been like, I, it's coercion to try and, and stay hydrated. Um, so it's been, it's been, it's actually, um, it's been a much bigger deal than I think we realize with um, non-invasive procedures, just the healing aspect of it. And she's been, really, really tired. So she's just been spending the whole day in bed watching TV or reading a book. And by seven o'clock, she's exhausted and is ready for, for bed to, to go to bed to sleep. Um, so it's been, um, it's been a combination of um, just trying to get through it and knowing, um, you know, knowing that this, this was the right thing to do. And, um, also having that sort of nutrient density approach where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously just trying to keep her hydrated top priority, but when I can't get nutrition into her, like even bribing her with something like chocolate pudding, it's avocado chocolate pudding. So like 80% of the volume is actually pureed avocado. So, um, uh, or, you know, you want a smoothie. Okay. Well, it's got two scoops of collagen veggie blend in it. So it's, you know, 20 grams of, of protein from collagen peptides and three servings of vegetables. And then, you know, extra 
probably two, three servings of, of fruit by the time you add the frozen blueberries. So, um, so it's been, it's been, it's, I've earned my stripes as a parent. Let's, <laughs> let's say I, I earned like a, a, some kind of medal or badge this, this past week. So I think we as parents, no matter what, when we see our kids in pain, like it's an instant badge. It doesn't matter what follows next, right? It's like whether it's a scraped knee or your child in surgery, like it's it's a major deal to see your flesh and blood in pain. And, and oftentimes there's nothing you can do except just be there for them, which is difficult for us type A's who want to take control of a situation and fix it. Um, but I think, you know, I want to point out while I a hundred percent agree with trying to focus on a, a gut health and nutritionally dense approach to helping your children recover. I also think it's unrealistic to need to almost like apologize for giving your child a juice box, which is what I heard you say, right? Like, <laughs> so let's just, let's just break this down into reality for a minute. Like giving your child juice is not the end of the world. Wow. Like, and it's, it, I personally purchased orange juice for the family this week because there is so much sickness going around Every, like it's just that time of year that I was in the grocery store and I saw orange juice and I was like, oh, the boys love orange juice. We need more vitamin C. I'm going to buy orange juice. Is that something I do all the time? No. Is it something I feel guilty about? No. And in this case, like you're talking about keeping your child hydrated, like there's absolutely no reason to apologize or to, you know, justify or whatever um, the need to, to do that. So I just want to first of all, point that out to you, that it sounds like you might have a little bit of mommy guilt going on that needs oh, to just... I have so much mommy guilt going on. <laughs> we so just need to like... Mommy guilt started started early with this one. Well, we need to take yeah. a deep breath and then just like let it all out because we as parents, you know, like I know from our previous conversations that this is something that runs in the family, which you kind of covered. And I think, you know, the mommy guilt comes into like, Oh, I did this to my yes. child. I gave this to my child. Stop it. You need to let that go. You just need to throw <laughs> that out the window. You also gave your child life. Okay. So, um, I just think that it's really great that we as parents have the flexibility to, offer these nutritionally dense solutions, which they might partake somewhat in, or they might entirely like, or I know that there are some parents who listen when they give their children homemade jello, it's not going to be consumed. And if that's your child and you end up giving them juice boxes, or in my case, I remember going down to the gift shop at the hospital and getting gummy bears for Cole because he just was like not having it with any sort of food. And I totally did the mommy bribe thing. And I was like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, can you have some sip of this broth? And then, you know, I got these gummy bears. They might, they might yeah. be better for you. <laughs> and I, a hundred percent, Every time I see that brand of gummy bears now, like we all laugh about, hey, remember when you got those for me when I had my appendicitis? <laughs> like, and I don't have, I'm not going to feel guilty about that. You know what I mean? Like, yes, was gummy bears the best thing for, for his healing body after he had surgery? No. But 
pumpkin custard. You know how I feel about your pumpkin custard. I would eat it every day, all day. It's like one of my favorites. Uh, Turns out it's also really good with um, collagen peptides added. So just I think Yeah, I think we've actually done that before because I – that was like my favorite thing when I was lifting uh, my competition food because it's it's like pure – it's basically just like – pumpkin pie custard but it has it has more stuff in it and we wouldn't make it super sweet and um it's just it's it's nice anyway so you know for me it sounds really great all the things that you're doing but also I just you know I was hearing a lot of like justifying and feeling bad about certain things and I just the more you went on I was like no 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 we're not gonna feel bad about this like we I think another thing that you talked about that is really insightful for other people is the fact that when you compare the, I've tried everything from a lifestyle and a food perspective and my child is still getting sick. And alternatively, they could be on antibiotics repeatedly and which is more catastrophic for their health. Do ultimately, do we know that answer? No, because we don't know everything. But I think from, from the scientific literature and the things that we know about what antibiotics does to gut health and what that could potentially do over the long term in a developing body, vice the fact that tonsils aren't required. Um, I think you've you've got to kind of sometimes just make a decision and go with it. And you know, I know firsthand that as a parent, I have made decisions and have later learned, oh, that wasn't yeah. the right one. But I. You have to make the decisions based on the information that you have at the time with your child's best interest in heart. And I think we as parents, that is the true struggle, no matter if it's surgery and wellness or, you know, I know like my mom has a lot of guilt about us being vegetarians growing up, right? And like, she didn't make us be vegetarians because she was trying to ruin, you know, our lives. She did it because she thought it was a healthy, good thing to do. And we as parents just cannot have that kind of guilt. Like you, it's not good for your stress. It's not good for the kids to to be around that stress. It's okay to just like say, this is the best decision. This is what the doctors recommend and going with it. And, and I think we all heard you talk about some of the things to look for and try to do from a lifestyle perspective. And I remember when, you know, we've been talking over the last several months and you were trying so hard to be so careful with her food to make sure that she did not get exposed to any, like even a little tiny crust in the summer when we were in the elimination diet phase, trying to figure out what was swelling up her tonsils. That was early on. Yep. And Um, we, and we had that conversation because it was like, I can't even like you were uncomfortable exposing her to the most minute amount of anything because you wanted to make sure that she had as much chance to heal and not have this issue going forward. And I think for me, knowing that that has been something you've been focused on for so long, like I just, I want you. And I also know that if you need to hear it, then other people need to hear it. Like, there's no reason that we need to, to feel guilty or badly about these things. Like, and, and I've been there. Um, I too was like, what could I have done differently? What, you know, what in our lives would have caused Cole's appendix to, you know, be so sick and blah, blah. And you know, what have I done? Oh, my dad had this problem. It's obviously my fault. Like, no, it's not. We're just, we're humans and we just have to do the best we can 
when life gives us these problems. And I think the solutions that you talked about are really great ideas. And if they don't work for you listeners, that's okay too. Like do whatever you, the next step is that does work to make your family as healthy as you can get them during a difficult time and then get yourself on the right path because it is important to have, to restore gut flora, um, in a positive way after you've been exposed and, you know, you do have antibiotics, uh, a pretty strong amount after you've had surgery and stuff like that. And so there is, there is total validity to wanting to have good gut health, but it's not going to be the end of the world if, um, your child has a juice box or a gummy bear. (laughs) Actually, so to be, so actually there's, there's three things I wanted to say. The first thing was, um, they don't do antibiotics post tonsillectomy routinely anymore, which was actually kind of a pleasant surprise. Interesting. Cause I thought they were going to do like IV antibiotics and then send us home with a course. Yeah. Um, they do, um, three days of steroids now to help, um, keep the inflammation lower. Um, and it's a, it's a fairly low dose of steroids. So that was, I was, wasn't quite expecting that. Um, but I think it's been actually really important for the pain management. Um, but the antibiotics was not standard for this particular procedure. I mean, it certainly is for, for many procedures. Um, so that was kind of cool. I think one of the things that I, I did sort of want to make sure is is clear is that I, like, I do have a ton of guilt around this whole (laughs) thing just because it's been it's been so hard for her and watching your child feel real pain for the very first time in their lives is just the most heart-wrenching experience because if I could take it away if I could if I could have it 10 times worse but have it for on me and and feel it for her I, I I totally would it's it's just such an awful experience and it's a long recovery like I it's a it's a two-week recovery um she's still not back at school uh you know nine days later and it's um she's still you know fairly low energy and part of being low energy she's just not getting enough calories she's lost um, like six pounds, which when you're a 70 pound kid, that's, that's a lot of weight to lose. And I'm sure she'll gain it back once she starts eating better. But it's all like, it's been this like unrelenting stress for me as a mother to, to watch my child in pain and slowly recover. And just this constant, it's like a lot of cuddling and a lot of, um, just, um, uh, sort of trying to entice her into, you know, consuming liquid to stay hydrated. And it has not been an easy time. But at the same time, I do absolutely know with 100% confidence that this was the right choice to make. And I do know that, um, you know, this, this was necessary. And I don't feel like I feel like I did everything within my power that I could have done to prevent it. So I don't feel um, I don't feel like it was my fault we ended up here. I don't feel like it was something that I, I did or didn't do that that brought us here. Um, that being said, it's it's really been a, a tough time that doesn't make the decision easier to make. Knowing that it's the right decision bizarrely does not make it easier to make because it's it's a big deal. And I. um you know, you kind of think about, um, you know, if a, if a procedure doesn't have stitches, you know, it's obviously going to be a lot easier to recover. But the recovery from the surgery is is not, um, it's not really quick. It's, um, you know, it's a few weeks, and 
it's it's been um, it's been a really rough few weeks, uh, or a really rough just over a week, and um, and. Uh, I do laugh because my oldest daughter will, can, you, can I have a popsicle? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Can I have that avocado pudding? Nope. You get your tonsils out, then you can have all this stuff. So, um, it's been, it's yeah, my poor, my poor 10 year old has been feeling like she's not getting all the junk food. She would love to be eating all that food, but, uh, she's been getting some of it clearly because it's just not fair for it to be in the house and her not to have a little bit, but it's, it's been, um, it's been a real challenge and, and, you know, we're, we're on the far side of it now. I think, um, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got what five or six more days where we're still in the, the window for, um, complications, but, um, we're, we're most of the way through it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite the experience as, as a parent. I, I'm, I'm not sure I've gone through, um, it's been a while. It's been a long while since I've gone through something that is, has been this, this challenging as a parent. Well, I would say from personal experience, I do think that these sort of experiences when you're on the other side of them will remind you to not take for granted, um, health and wellness that we usually have. And, you know, I think from my perspective, and I'm sure you feel this way as well. I mean, I much prefer to have the experience of, you know, something that I don't want to say is fleeting, but is, you know, it's, it's not severe, it's not permanent. And I know that there are a lot of children who struggle with much worse than what I've been through. So I do think that it's, you know, a good, a good foundation and, and perspective. And, um, you know, it's uh, interesting. A year after Cole had his appendix out, it's it's kind of like a oh, I remember that. Like I'm look at my cool scar. Um, instead of it was quite traumatizing for all yes. parties at the time. So at least there's you know there's a, a window of of hope not too far away. But I'm so glad to hear that everything um, is going well and. Um, as you know, the healing progresses and all that kind of stuff, because, um, I know we talked about it. So thank you for being willing to share. And, um, for, for those people who are listening, I know, uh, Sarah did share some of the recipes that she was talking about. We can include links in the show notes. Um, and if you have any other questions, just comment on, the blog post or social media, and we will do our absolute best to get back to you. And um, we have some uh, topics planned for the upcoming new year, but of course, we always welcome your questions to the form on our blog to let us know if you'd like us to cover anything. Um, I personally have been loving Sarah getting back into the science of things. <laughs> so if there's uh, more topics that you want to hear uh, the science on or anything really that you'd like us to cover, don't hesitate to reach out either through our blog or suggest it in social media, however, however the topic arises. Um, thank you for listening this week, Sarah. Thank you for, for sharing. I know it's a, uh, it's as, as parents, as you can imagine listeners, it's difficult to, um, 
open up in such a vulnerable way about your family, especially your children. So Sarah, I appreciate you being willing to do that. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. We're not getting, giving Matt any bloopers because he can't use, like, anything so far. He can, use, he can use this. Oh, my gosh. Not the chicken again. <laughs> I mean, when in doubt. Chicken out. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.